launch. Okay, so so it was it was just this example of of a moment that like it was it was no distance, but I, I basically again I got lost, which was which I think is what you know the confusion, especially when you're tired, you've been running for a long time, getting lost is is quite a difficult thing to deal with. Your body starts getting a bit stressed on top of the tiredness, uh, and it's just not what you need when you're that tired. You just want, I mean, I don't really like the races where you've got to navigate because. Uh, when I get really tired, I just want to see signs, see flags, and just follow them like mindlessly. To have to stop and get maps out, so so I made a mistake, and I'd actually it was the uh, Ring of Fire uh, Ultra around Anglesey, and it was the end of the second day, so it was a 66 mile day, and I'd gone the wrong way right near the end, uh, and I come to the finish, and I'd run 66 miles, so I'd kind of roughly done the right route but i'd slightly missed the last checkpoint and the last checkpoint really was only half a mile from the finish and so and and the cutoff i can't remember the cutoff but i had like six hours until the cutoff so I'd, I'd done it quite quickly so i was but i was exhausted i was completely spent and the organizer was like you know the you're going to get a three out three hour time penalty for missing that checkpoint but it's only half a mile down the road so you go half a mile down the road and back even if it takes you an hour it's going to knock two hours save you two hours and i was like there's no way i cannot there's no way the thought of just going half a mile down the road and back at that point you know i could barely crawl onto the floor i couldn't undo my shoelaces i was just like and looking back it felt like you could have just walked you know walked there and back it's like one mile i mean even an hour is a ridiculously long time to walk one mile, but no, it wasn't even a thought in my head either. It wasn't like, oh, shall I do it? Shall I do it? It was like, <laughs> I was like, when he suggested it, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not going back out. I think it's because all your focus is on that finish. And it's just like, and then when I got there, and then they said, because the, it was one of those, I don't know if you know about the race, but you, a bit like the Barkley Marathon, you have to rip a page out of a book at each oh. checkpoint. So he looked at my book. He said, "You missed one. You, you missed the last one, and it's just, it's just there." And I was like, "No, I don't care. Disqualify me." You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not care. Like, you know, thirty miles back. Yeah, no, I got all the others, so I was all right. I, I mean, in theory, he was like laughing because I think he he did understand, but he was also thinking, you know, Con, you can do this. I was like, no. I just, I get to a point, I think, in a race like that. And I, it's interesting, I spoke to Beth Pascal about this. Because I was saying, like, at the UTMB, she came, I think she came fourth or fifth. And I was saying, like, when I'm running UTMB, I get to a point where I don't care about the race anymore. You know, I just, just, I'm just trying to get to that finish. It's all I care about. But I was asking you if it's different if you're, like, fighting for a top four or five position. Mm. Surely, you know, like, so if I, I come... 600 or 650th or 700th or 712th i mean it's it's all kind of the same <laughs> but if you got fourth or you come eight that's a massive difference yeah. and she said no actually you don't you don't care you're getting in the end of that race you don't care what well, she you know that's what she said she doesn't care you're just trying to get to the finish it's exactly the same yeah. the thought of you know, maybe if you're winning perhaps and and maybe some people are more competitive but she said she just didn't care and just, just if people were going to overtake her, they would overtake her. If they weren't, they weren't. She just had to keep moving. So that's all kind of interesting, I suppose. It is. And I think that it, something that occurred to me yesterday, um, 
I don't know if you saw. I was, I did. Uh, I did my September up and running. Yeah, yeah I saw that. A pretty. It was 120 kilometers. Pretty. Yeah, much. yeah. So it was a good. It was a good day out. And actually, the first time I've run through the night. So I started at, at half ten on Sunday night. Right. Um, and just just kept going. Um, but but something that that struck me around certain certain points, and and the guy Jeff Way joined me in the afternoon. Um, mm. A friend of mine. And and we got sort of chatting as you're running along. You know, how do you how do you deal with pain and what do you eat? And you know, we're just chatting about about stuff. Mm. And and one of the things that occurred to me was was this was choice. Mm. And um, what what I try and do is not give myself a choice. So there's no other option. There's not. And it's a bit like you know the what we said there about you know there was a choice of of either going half a mile there and back or mm. taking the penalty. So you had a choice and that, that's all, that's harder, I reckon, particularly yeah. at that time when, you know, mentally, emotionally, you, you're drained. Like, I mean, there's nothing else in life. I think that really you, you have to be that drained to know what it's like, you know, whether it's forced because you're escaping something or whether it's, um, you know, choosing, choosing to do these, these yeah. crazy, crazy events, but there's a choice there. And when you're totally gone, yeah. you're going to take the one that, that preserves you. It's basic survival, I reckon. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because basically any race you do, I mean, it's not like a life and death situation. So you have, you've always got that choice. And in a way, that's what makes it difficult. And that's why I think people talk about you've got to have a really strong reason to finish. They talk about, you know, your why. You need a really strong why because I guess that, if that's big enough and that's important enough, you know, you're doing it for someone who died or you're doing it because if you've got a really strong reason that I guess makes the choice easier to carry on. Whereas if you're just entered because it sounded like a fun thing to do and you know, <laughs> you think you can do it, but you get, you get to a certain point, you're like, you know, yeah, I mean, I, every race I had the, at some point I had this debate about whether to stop or not. And uh, yeah, and it, it was definitely easier because I had this goal to run the UTMB and it was much easier to carry on on the races, which, I needed to qualify for the UTMB. That was kind of like my big why in a way, because that was, because I was writing a book about it. Yeah. I thought if I don't get to the UTMB, this book isn't happening, which is the whole reason why I'm here, which is this whole project is like, it's just pointless where the other races that weren't, that I was doing more to tell the story of the race. I thought, well, I can tell this story of the race and drop out halfway through. And in fact, I had this bizarre thought on all those races where it would actually be good to drop out of one race because that's another experience you can write about. And uh, I kept saying to myself, this is, this is the race you just drop out of. And that, and that was such a compelling argument. But what really I don't understand now is why I didn't, I never dropped out of any of them. So something else was keeping me going, even though I had almost more reason to stop than to finish in some of those races. Yeah. Well, you're kind of taking the pressure off yourself a little bit there in a, in a sense. Saying, hey, no, you actually do drop out. It's a bit like, I suppose it's a bit like saying, don't think of elephants. So you do the complete opposite. So maybe, maybe that's a tactic. I've noticed actually recently, just on my training runs, I mean, you know, I don't do huge runs, but a couple of times, I've, and I've just noticed this quite recently, a couple of times I've come to a point where I haven't quite decided the route I'm going to take. And part of me is thinking I should go the long way. And part of me is thinking, just take the short way. And I realize I always take the longer way. 
and and it's only at the very last second that I decide I'm running up to it and it's kind of the overriding thought is I'll just take the short way save me half a mile I'll get there quicker a bit more time to eat afterwards and then just at that last second I go I can't I just can't do it I just oh god look this is only half a mile and I just feel myself veering the long way so I don't know there's obviously something in me that doesn't like to like cut corners or something I don't know (laughs) yeah no I think it's I, I I agree you know i do something quite similar actually and, and I'll always want to take the that that longer route or or the harder route because I suppose at the end of the you may not want to get to the end and think uh, you know yeah. I took the I took the easy option there yeah. um, but but I mean going back to what you said before about you know the the book and and the UTMB sort of being tied up I mean that's a huge pressure because you know this is your this is your purpose your work purpose Mm. to write so that, that's a yeah that's a massive pressure in a sense or could be yeah it's it's funny i mean i mean you've read the book i think so you'll remember this in the book but there i i i had this thing where i'd read another book where about ultra running where a guy builds up to a big race and then he just drops out halfway through and then he's back at the hotel afterwards and he realizes you know he's got all the regrets you would expect of someone who dropped out who didn't really need to like he was obviously exhausted it was the Spartapalon, so it was a super tough race mm. but you know he wasn't injured he hadn't hurt you know he just basically ground to a halt and as a reader i was so disappointed by that and i just i kept thinking you know really you've taken me through this book to this point and then you just dropped out. I mean, really, you shouldn't have written this book. <laughs> Should I, you know, you really let me down here. I've, I've invested time reading this. And then I just felt, and so I had this thing in my head, there's no way I'm going to do that. Whatever happens, you know, I'm going to finish that UTMB. I'm going to run it. And, and it doesn't matter if I have to crawl on my hands and knees, I, you know, I will do it. Even if I miss the cutoff, I'll keep going because there's no <laughs> way I'm going to do that. And then when it got to that point where I wanted to drop out at the UTMB and I remembered that, I thought, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I was in such kind of, I was so broken physically. The thought of a book being important, it was just so unimportant. My job was unimportant. The book was unimportant. And, and I, I even, in my head, I had this line, dear readers, I'm sorry, but it's just not that important. <laughs> I hope you understand. And I think I, I wrote that in the book. So I had that kind of thought I had. I just thought, I remember thinking, it's just a stupid book. Who cares? I was like, that kind of pain, I guess. So, you know, that kind of exhaustion, that physical deterioration had become so overwhelming. It's a bit like sleep. When sleep, you get so tired, you get to a point where it doesn't matter. You could be on, you know, stage in front of 10,000 people. If you're that tired, it's just eventually it's just going to floor you. And I felt like I got to that point. It didn't matter what. And uh, you can always, uh, you can push through, you can push through, you can push through, but eventually, you know, we are, there is a, there is a limit out there somewhere. There is. And I felt, well, this is the weird thing. I felt like I got to that limit, but clearly I hadn't because I, I did carry on. (laughs) I guess. The, you know, where we feel we are and it's a, I suppose sometimes there's a glass ceiling and you know, a lot of people are looking at this as that Alex Hutchinson book, which is interesting on, on the whole thing. And, and the fact that, you know, we'll, we'll get the thoughts and the bodily sensations and, and we'll try and make some sort of sense of it. Uh, sort of well before the point where actually, actually there's no voluntary stopping, your body just, just stops. And I don't think we really want to get to that, <laughs> that point. That, that could be 
that could be dangerous. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but because we, you know, we've got this remarkable ability to, to change gears um, and, and something, it could be a comment, a thought, some music, yeah. something, some other strategy where you, you put your focus on something else um, or, or drop into a state. I mean, I use the mantra, no mind, you know, drop into that where you, you just try and become present and, and not, not overly focus on the feelings of the body. Just kind of let, try and let that dilute into, you know, where you are and it all becomes, yeah. becomes one. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's the, yeah, you can definitely go through all sorts of transformations, which, which then, which then gets you questioning like how, how bad you were actually, if, if you can come through that. I remember in one race where I'd been a bit more experienced about this. And I think like the people and, and you've done a lot of running now, I think you get more and more experienced and you get better at recognizing, Oh, this is, this is just, you know, this is just my body getting tired, but it doesn't, it's not the, the crisis. I, I, I think it is perhaps in the, in the early races. Uh, but I, yeah, I remember so one race, I was just running along and my knee started hurting. And for about five minutes, I was like, oh my God, that might, this might be the end of my race. I think <laughs> my knees, I've, you know, I've injured my knee. And then, and then I realized, I was like, I just say, you, you're going to have to try a bit harder than that. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm not falling for it. And I wasn't even 100% convinced that I was tricking myself, but I just felt like if I front it out like this, and I was thinking, nah, there's no knee injury, is there? And sure enough, five minutes later, the knee felt fine. So it's it's like the yeah, this inner inner your kind of game you're playing with your mind, uh, and, and it's not always on a conscious level. It's not like two voices. It can you know, it can be like a physical feeling. Like your your brain is way trickier than just like just voices. It's like you know, something's really hurting. It's really forcing you to stop, and then and then suddenly it isn't. Because like you say, maybe someone says something to you, maybe you have a, a way of processing it because you've been there before. I think if you've been there before and you've come through it, it's easy to get through it the next time because you know you've done that. The first time it hits you, you, you just think, well, it's real. But there are, yeah, there are lots of techniques, mantras and, and thinking about who you're doing it for, having a strong reason to do it. Uh, but it, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? That kind of, that kind of idea that there's, there's two parts of you and one is what and, and and it's not even that they're goodies and baddies because the part trying to stop you is is actually just being protective and looking after you it's not just like some you know evil voice trying to fill you with doubts it's, it's actually there for a reason and it's uh it, it and it makes sense and and in some ways it is the voice you should be listening to yeah. as in my kenyan friend who stopped because he hurt his toe you know because he he listen to that voice he's like well no my my body is my life livelihood it's my machine i need to look after it it's hurting i stop whereas like most amateur ultra runners are not seeing their body in that way the body is just they'll get get to the end is the goal mm. protecting the body is is what you've got to overcome where as a as a elite kind of road athlete i guess he was really his his body was protecting his body and being like almost conditioned and in shape was way more important than finishing this this ultra run that he was in so yeah it's, it's a whole it's a whole world of uh human human psyche and human emotion emotions come into it as well you, know, you can 
yeah, you know, you, I found that, uh, I mean, some of the good ultra runners that I uh, kind of witnessed up close, they, they were much more, I realized I was quite emotional as well. I was kind of riding these feelings quite emotionally. So like, uh, good and bad. So when I was down, I was just like, you know, I did a lot of crying. I did a lot of like, I can't do this. I, you know, self-pity, misery. But then equally, then when I started feeling good, I was like, oh my God, I'm the champ. I can crush this. I'm going to, you know, I'm like, I'm going to be top five here. Watch out, UTMB. I'm going to break the, you know, over 40s record or something. I don't know. I'd be like, oh, completely getting excited and carried away with it. Whereas, you know, people like, you know, well, well, the, the one I, I kind of witnessed is, is Damien Hall. And he's just, you know, he's going through a bad patch and he's going through a good patch. If you talk to him, he seems the same person. Mm-hmm. He's just like on this kind of chirpy, easygoing level the whole time. And I think, yeah, I kind of get into this roller coaster, which I think I probably would do less now because I would see it for what it was. I'm like, okay, you're feeling good, but just stay fine. Or you're hurting, but it's not the end of the world. You can come through it. So a lot of that comes with experience, I think. But I think there is a sense that some people are perhaps more willing to jump on the emotions and, and go with them than others, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, if, uh, you know, they, well, when we were doing the, um, the running workshop on Dartmoor recently, you know, he spoke quite a lot to me about you know, re- this sort of relaxed running. Mm. And, 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 you know, that really has to come from this feeling of calm in, inside and trying to cultivate that. And I think it's hard to cultivate that just while you're running. I think you've got to be practicing if, you know, if you really want to do that well, you've got to be practicing some kind of contemplation, um, you know, on a daily basis, you know, with mindfulness, med- meditation or whatever. Mm. And, and I, I think that, that, I mean, this is sort of also practices for life as well and there's been many analogies with ultra running or distance running and and life and what you can take to to each of those Mm -hmm. but that that inner sense of of calm where you know as you say you just see things what they are so you could still be feeling a very strong emotion that's triggered by some some thought and particularly you know running at night where you know, it's, it's dark and just you've got this little beam of light ahead of you and everything else is sort of dark around. And there's something quite magical about it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. You can sort of just suddenly be hit by a, a thought. It might just be, you know, nothing in particular. You might just picture, you know, your family or your wife or your kids or something. And there's just suddenly, suddenly you, you do you start crying or feel massively emotional. Yeah. Um, and you know you let you let that go, and then and then so you might just start laughing. Yeah. And there's no one around for fifty miles or whatever. Yeah. You can talk to yourself as well, and like <laughs> say things, and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true, and and I think also about you talk about being kind of mindful and being able, because it, it's very easy to say, you know, like you said, you you suddenly think, well, I'll just be in the in the moment and connect with what's around me. So easy thing to say, but in that moment, it's quite a hard thing to do. And that's where I think yeah, if you're practicing that in your life, it's, it's going to be a much easier thing to do in a race. You can't just suddenly become that kind of wise, like just because you're tired. I mean, it, the opposite. It's going to be harder to do that than it would be in any normal circumstance. So it takes practice like everything. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, because I, I got that advice so many times, you know, just run the mile you're in or just to the next aid station and 
and yeah it's just being in the moment it's 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 the it's one of the keys to life but it's it's and it sounds so simple but it's you know we're always what am i doing later what am i doing tomorrow i've got this coming up i've got that coming up uh and and that's how we live and we've got to try and yeah i guess mindfulness meditation is bringing you to the present and that's what and that's why i think running is a bit like meditation is because it kind of forces you to be in the present and particularly i mean i find i find that maybe maybe for me in a shorter run where i'm kind of really running quite hard and quite moving through landscape quite quickly i find i'm i'm locked into the present i've got to watch my feet whereas on a longer run because you're going that much slower your your thoughts can kind of drift and it becomes harder and i guess the other thing which i talk about a lot in my book is that when you say a thought might pop into your head then when you've got a watch that beeps like you might not be thinking about the distance but it could beep beep you look oh Oh, oh, I've done 18 miles. That means I've got <laughs> a lot of miles still to go. And that, so that, te- that creates a negative thought. And, and so, yeah, you know, that's why I talked a lot about, well, I realized personally, I had to stop that watch beeping, turn the watch off. So I didn't, that, so that thought that popped into my head wasn't how long have I still got to go, which is taking you out of the present because suddenly you're thinking about the task ahead, the future, the, the sp- pain you're going to have to go through to get there and and that's where you go oh god i should just stop <laughs> whereas if you're just not thinking about that if you're thinking about your family or you're laughing or you're enjoying your surroundings or just being in that space with that light and the and the dark it's it's you're in a much better space i think so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I thought of you and because you, you spoke about some some hallucinations you had, and I was running around the um, the Great Orm, I think it's called, where Clendudno is, and okay. um, it was it must have been about I don't know f- half three, four o'clock in the morning, so completely yeah. pitch black. Well, apart from there were some street lights and several houses, but. Um, and there's an art, there was an uh, there was an artillery base or a school on the side, and there was a, a placard up, and I I stopped to read. I thought it was actually a map looking out, but it was there, and I, I yeah. just read. And it t- talked about the the ghosts of the soldiers, but it didn't mean ghosts as in ooh. It just meant yeah. you know the story of the, of the past. Yeah. But anyway, because my my brain hooked on that, and I, I carried on, and and I was kind of walk running because there were some quite steep bits and. Um, and, um, and before I know it, I'm thinking, I can hear boots marching behind me. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I actually found myself turning around and yeah, yeah, I bet, yeah. just, just to check. Yeah. And, and it could have been one of things uh, as one of a few things. Firstly, it, just a complete auditory hallucination based on the story I just read. And secondly, of course, my pack's going in time with me going. And my brain is, has sort of picked up on those signals and just predicted that, no, that's boots. That's yeah. boots. Those are old artillery guys. And, and I've had that before. I mean, even in the daytime, I remember doing one race and I was, I was, I was leading the race. It was a relay race. I was, I was running for the team. And, and so I, and I didn't know how far behind the second team were. And I'd be running along and I kept hearing what it sounded to me like someone running behind me. And I, what is that? And I realized it was my number. But somehow the sound was projecting behind me from my number. So, and I kept hearing it. And then at night, you're, yeah, I mean, the night can play tricks on you anyway. But if you're tired, you've been up all night. 
and, and you're on your own for quite a long time. I, I've I've had yeah, I had one time where I was the trees were just making this quite ominous, like threatening noise with the wind, and I knew it was just the trees and the wind, but it just felt like the trees were like kind of kind of really angry with me, and I was like, oh. <laughs> And what am I doing? There's just trees. It's just trees. If I could see them, I'd see they're just trees. And even like around here where I live in Devon, I, I run at night and you hear a noise and I, I think, oh my God, what if it's a bear? I'm yeah. just like, I know there's no way it's a bear, but I'm just like, whoa, that didn't sound like, you know, no one's going to be out here with a dog. So what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what it was, but it wasn't a bear, that's for sure. But you just, yeah, it's uh, running at night. I don't know for me especially on your own yeah you start you start having very irrational thoughts i think well you haven't you've it's hard to get a a reference point because you haven't got someone else there to sort of go ah oh, shut up you, you know yeah, yeah. and i remember when i when i started out i came off the menai bridge and then through bangor and it took me up what's it, i saw this sign it said bangor mountain and it's it's basically a hill yeah. It was quite, it was, you know, I had to sort of go up and it was, it was fairly steep. And then it was like brush land and on top and trees and a bit wooded. And, and I got up there and, and I, I used Kamut and um, they we kept showing this path. And I, I was looking around, I could not find this path, but there was another one. So I took that and then I heard voices and I'd only been going about 45 minutes. It was the first time I was running through the night. So I was a little, you know, you're a little bit apprehensive and you feel a little bit vulnerable um and so you, all these plans are going through my head right if it is people i'll I, what i can do is i can turn off my head torch and i'll just hide in a bush until <laughs> they've gone but then what if they've got a torch yeah. and, and clearly clearly there's going to be murderers up here uh, and all this stuff and this is right at the beginning um so you do your mind just goes off into all these terrible scenarios yeah yeah, uh, yeah you, you don't you don't want to be caught lurking in the bushes up at the top of here <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yeah, no, but, uh, yeah. So, where was it, people or not? I, I don't know. I thought I heard voices, but maybe, maybe I didn't see anyone. Yeah. Uh, maybe they were. Maybe they were hidden in. A <laughs> <laughs> that would have been terrible if you both sat in the bush. Yeah, Who, who's <laughs> going to leave first? <laughs> Goes on and on. Oh, but the the joys, the joys. But it was um, it was your uh, it was ultra running book that. Um, drew my attention to, to the, the concept of the pain, the experience of the pain. Where, where, where did you first come across that? That was, I first heard Zach Miller talking about that. Uh, and I kind of initially thought it was just something he'd come up with, but it turns out it's quite a common uh, expression in, in ultra running, particularly in America, I think. And he said, he said, I just love digging in the pain cave. And I think it's quite a nice analogy that you kind of, you know that that not just that you hit the pain cave or you hit the wall or something, but you dig into it. That you kind of you get there, and that's like the beginning, and then you go deeper and deeper. And uh, yeah, so th so that's where I heard it, and it's that idea that you know that in that pain cave is is a kind of experience. You said that's what we like, and a lot of runners say, yeah, that's that's where that's what ultra running is about. It's about getting t into the pain cave, digging deep, finding yourself, find getting through the other side, but not. But, you know, it's more about what, what you find when you're in there and what you learn when you're in there. Uh, what I found quite interesting is I spoke to him more recently uh, for my podcast. And he, because I, I always felt like my pain caves were always at my lowest points. And it was like, 
you know, so what, so what I was finding in there was like my weaknesses and my, my kind of, and, and then you would find that like almost coming through it, you would find maybe a kind of peacefulness, a kind of calmness and, and everything else, like, you know, the rest of your life drops away and, and there's a kind of sense of you just existing as a, as a being and as a, as a kind of animal in, in a way. But then he was quite interesting because he said, yeah, he thinks there's two types of pain games. The one where you're at your lowest, but then there's one where you go, everything's going well, but it's going so well that you decide to push harder and you kind of push yourself purposely in there. Like, so I think most, and I think he might be quite unusual in this, but like if he's running hard, but he feels all right, he's going to push harder rather than, I think most people think, right, I'm feeling good here. I'll just keep cruising at this speed. You know, this is, this is good. I'm feeling good. I'm, you know, in a hundred mile race, there's no need to push. But he, he said, and he said, that's a much better pain cave, you know, when you're kind of, it's this kind of self-induced, I guess in a way, maybe because you could pull out at any moment and still be fine. Mm. But uh, yeah, I can't say I've ever experienced that. I mean, maybe in a 5K, but then it's like, it's over in such a flash that you, you know, I guess you do feel good after, after pushing hard and doing well in a 5K and you kind of obviously push yourself into that. But in an ultra run, yeah, my two states were okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm I'm you know enjoying the scenery. I'm I'm here. I'm comfortable. And then oh no, I'm terrible. I'm in the pain cave. But he has this other zone, which is like I'm feeling good. I'm fine. Let's go harder. <laughs> Let's go. But yeah, that it's I think it's more of an American expression, the pain cave. The, but definitely, it's it's very common among the American ultra runners. Almost all of them will will have heard that expression and talk about it. Yeah, I mean it's it's fascinating because it kind of encompasses the whole the whole human, the whole being. But but even beyond that, because it takes in you know where you are and, and what you're doing and, and your purpose. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's held a real sort of fascination uh, as a, as a concept, and then and then as an experience and. Because the, the, the run yesterday, I wouldn't say that I particularly went in. I was probably standing, you know, in the entrance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Whereas there have been times before where I've really felt, and I think you can only, well, obviously you can only know your own one. Yeah. And then you compare. But then, then as you also, as you said, you know, because you get this experience, you know, each time you do another one, you, you know, you learn something, you learn something, you learn something. Maybe, maybe I don't push enough, but then that's my, that's not my interest. I'm not interested in the the actual just getting to the end is is the push for me. I don't I don't need to be any more broken than I am just having been out my feet for. Whereas these guys are, you know, they you know they they're competing, yeah, um, and you know to do that they they've got to keep they've got to keep pushing. Yeah, yeah, because I feel the same. I feel like once I get in there. I mean, you kind of got to push just to keep moving, but I'm not like, I'm not really forcing it. It's just the kind of, yeah, trudging through the pain cave, I guess. But, but yeah, the idea of digging, digging in there. And, and I think also a lot of people with ultra running and that, and that idea of the pain cave, it's about, it's almost a cathartic thing. It's like they've got, someone said to me just the other day, actually, it's, it's easier to, hurt in a race if you're hurting in real life like if your life's in turmoil you can push harder because it kind of feels the same which yeah. is an interesting idea and i did kind of feel like a lot of the ultra runners had this kind of 
trauma in their life that they were trying to get through. They'd been suicidal, they'd been drug addicts or lots of these kind of stories. And I kept feeling like, well, you know, I just haven't had a traumatic enough life to be good at this. That was a bit of an excuse because not all, all some great ultra runners haven't had a traumatic life, but you definitely get people who like Jim Walmsley. I remember him saying, you know, I want to go to the darkest place with, and have me next to someone. We're both in the darkest place. I know I can go darker. He's like, I know I can go harder at that point. Uh, and I was like, well, that, that's not the kind of talk you normally hear in sport. You know, it's like, it's so quite psychological and emotional. And like, you know, it's all about, I have been to dark places so I can go in there where you're really hurting, when you're really struggling. And I know how to push through that. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone else is going to bulk when they get to that point. Yeah. And I'm not. And, uh, you know, it's kind of fighting talk, but also it was interesting that that's, you know that they that it's such a psychological state you get into and it does become about people wanting wanting it like actually wanting that mm. whereas i never really wanted i i would be much happier and it only happened probably in one ultra run where i didn't have any kind of pain cave crisis where i just kind of cruised the whole way through and I, well i say that i mean it, I mean, it was weird when i was writing up the different races that was the one, even though it was the most enjoyable run to race, a race to run, it was definitely the hardest race to write up because in some ways it wasn't as interesting because I hadn't learned as much about myself and I hadn't kind of had this inner turmoil and this inner kind of conflict and, and, and had to find a way out of it, which is every diff- each race there was a slightly different way out. Uh, well, this race I just cruised and, and it actually was quite a short episode in the book because, yeah, because there just wasn't that much to say because I just ran, I felt fine and ran the whole way. <laughs> and so that was interesting because that's what, that's what in my head, ideally they would have all been like that, but obviously then that would have been quite a boring book. And, and, and I think probably it's more common to go through this struggle in a race. I think particularly for people who are new to ultra running and, and kind of mid pack and, and back of the pack runners, they're more likely to struggle. I think to cruise through an, you know, a hundred, oh, that was 120 K race in the mountains. I think that's probably quite, quite unusual for, for a non elite runner. So I guess it resonated, might have resonated. And, and then also it's, I do think that's part of what people go into ultra running for. And I might potentially not, a natural ultra runner you know i'm i'm a runner i like long distance running but i'm not sure i'm drawn to that feeling that experience of finding out what i'm made of mm. killing myself not killing myself but you know taking myself into the pain cave and then trying to get out again because mm. i remember there's that dean karnazi book i don't know if you've read that ultra marathon man and he describes in kind of very hyperbolic kind of over the top detail about how broken he is i mean at one point he's lying on the middle of a road crying and a car nearly runs him over and they get out and, and they're shining the toy you know he's very dramatic and i read that book and i thought what the hell i mean what i'm never going this was years ago i am like no way am i going to ever do that but other people and he's been you know loads of people say they started ultra running because they read that book and lots of people would read that and go wow I want to know what that feels like. I want to know what that's like. 
And that, that's slightly mysterious to me still. Why I can see having been in similar states and it is quite an epic and, 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 and kind of life, not life changing, but life advancing almost experience to go through and how it can kind of give you an inner strength and, and lessons about yourself. But it's not something I would kind of necessarily desire from, from a starting point, I don't think. But a lot of people do. A lot of people want that. They want that. You know, I want to feel like that. I want to, and I guess maybe a part of it's to do with the fact that we don't feel, you know, that life's too easy, too comfortable, maybe as a result, a bit boring. And that sounds way more exciting. I mean, you mean I could be in this state where I'm totally out of control. I'm on a mountain in the in dark, you know, that that's, that's quite interesting to me. Like that, 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 that's a possibility and that, and then I could see what I'm made of and I could learn about myself. So I can, I can see it, but I don't know. It, if I hadn't been writing the book about it, I'm not sure I would have been compelled to, to do it. I don't know, maybe I would have. I say that, you know, and then part of the reason I wrote the book is because I was compelled to do it. Yeah, well, that's something piqued your interest because I don't, Definitely, yeah. I don't yeah. think you could write a, a book and, and do all the things you did if it was... I don't know, in French polishing or something, you know. Yeah, exactly. You've got to, there's got to be, even if you've not done it, some sort of spark of, of, of interest. There. Yeah, and there was something about, so I did the first one and felt like I'd kind of been a bit broken by it and, and not failed. I mean, I got to the finish, but I just felt like, oh, I, I can do better than that. And then I so I wanted to go back and try again. And then they just became, they became more about the journey itself than, than the pain cave, really. I think I just felt like there were these huge journeys you were going on. And I love that feeling at the start of a race, an ultra run. You don't know what's going to happen out there, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's going to be something. It's not going to be easy, but you know, you're going to finish having had an experience that's not an everyday experience. And, and it's quite, uh, it's a bit nervous, but it's, quite exciting as well whereas you know even a marathon although I mean it's all relative of course for some people a marathon's like an ultra marathon and, and that's and it is still I mean I remember my first marathon was was a huge epic event and, it, and it's a long way still but it's it still feels like it's a run whereas ultra running feels like it's beyond running it's kind of this it's this like endurance challenge that is not just about running anymore it's about so much more uh so yeah, and so part of my problem is almost that I'm I was too into running, and I kind of the purest runner in me was like, yeah, but we're walking, we're sitting down, we're having snacks. <laughs> I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, I'm a runner, and and that that perhaps was what was putting me off a little bit at first. But once you get into this idea that you're going to start here and you look at it on a map, and you're going to finish here, and I'm just going to run that whole way. And something is going to be wild, you know, and just know it. And even some of the races, maybe the first half of the race, everything felt kind of smooth. I'm thinking, well, you know, this. And I remember thinking, not not much really to say about this race. I'm not going to be able to write much about this. I'm just doing all right, eating, everything's fine. Not much to say. But then another thought was, like, yeah, but it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. The story is coming. This race will not end without a story. Yeah. And that's quite an amazing thing to, you know, to know that you're going to have a story at the end of this because it just has to, you know, you just can't go through this without, 
some kind of crisis, even if it's just in your own head. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm going back to something you said before around, um, you know, trauma and unresolved trauma and, and, and these kinds of things. I think there's, there's, there's an appeal for, for different reasons. Um, I've had a number of conversations with people on, you know, when, as you do, you, you kind of, and that's another bizarre thing, isn't it? You, you can, you can end up sort of traveling with someone for three or four hours, someone you don't know, you know, you, you meet them at the checkpoint or you, you catch them up and you say hi and you just chat and you end up just going along together. And, and I've, so I've had a number of conversations with people that almost turned into therapy sessions, really. Um, which, yeah, yeah. For it's, you know, um and um and and that that sort of then brings on the question of you know why why are they doing it but then also there is a bit of a problem with with these ultras and there's a number of companies now and it seems to it's you know it's exploding exploding but it is expensive mm. and so you know i you you read about someone that's that's done you know and it is amazing to do some of these these you know really long ones multi stage or or whatever and you see that someone but then you look at the support that they've got and, you know, financially they're very well off. And so they've got everything's, you know, they, they can afford the travel, the, the, the luxury accommodation, they've got all the kit and, 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 and the entry fee and that. And then, and then you see someone else who, who, who's kind of not got those advantages. It's a bit like that experiment that they did, wasn't it? Where um, they asked, they, they lined up um, a bunch of kids. I can't, I can't remember the exact details, but they, they lined up a bunch of kids and then, they asked them, you know, your your parents together. Do you know your dad? You know, these oh, yeah. guys, and they would take a step forward or a step back, and then you'd see, and and it was it wasn't to make people feel bad or feel guilty because you know it's no one's fault how they're what they're born into, um, but it's just helping people to see that well the the you have an advantage over that person there. Look at the advantage yeah. you've got and appreciate that, and you can use that helpfully, you know, in terms of what you contribute. So it does feel that, that it's it's becoming you know a, a bit of a bit of a thing, um, and again perhaps identifying a bit of a you know the the issue with the divides that are in in society. Yeah, and I guess maybe some of the people who perhaps could benefit from it more are, are, are less able to access it, and also just the time to be able to train to be able to go through that. And yeah, I mean you see some of the people who you know they they thank their sponsors and there's like oh the, the people who supported me my crew and it's a massive long list of people and and yeah like it's particularly the multi-day races i mean i know i know there are some people in the ultra running world who are like because partly because of the cost uh and also the fact that it's multi-day means you're getting rests and stuff yeah. i like a little bit like well they're not they're not you know like i mean I'm sure it's an incredible race, but Marathon de Saab is an incredibly expensive race to run. Distances are big, but they're not, you know, by compared to other races, yet it calls itself the world's toughest race. Whereas, you know, a lot of ultra runners are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they're like, uh, someone even said that they're, they're holidays, adventure holidays for chief executives. So, you know, so it's, <laughs> but I mean, that's not to be rude about those races. You know, they're, um, they're amazing experiences for those who can afford them and those who go on them and, and everything else and, and they're brilliantly organized and you pay for that you know especially running out in the desert there's a lot of organization involved in putting support camps up in the desert but but there are other races uh you know that that are much more low-key like the, the ring of fire race for example i can't remember what it was to enter but it wasn't 
a huge amount. And I went up there on my own, uh, which I slightly regretted actually, because most people had a bit of a support crew. And uh, especially uh, as a second night, I felt a bit miserable while everyone was like being helped by their support crew. And quite a lot of them were being taken off to hotels actually, mm-hmm. where the race provide, the first night they provide you with a, a, a sports hall to sleep in. Oh, yeah. uh, you just sleep on the floor. You, you you have a drop bag, so you leave a sleeping bag and stuff. But it's like strip lit, and they don't turn the lights off completely. They turn <laughs> a few of them off. And I basically didn't sleep a wink. And then the second night, it's like a village hall. Uh, and because and I was one of the first finishers, I got to go into this kind of hidden downstairs room. But it was just basically a store cupboard for tables and chairs. So I found myself under a pile of tables. So definitely wasn't glamorous or or... But in some ways, and like I say, some of the other runners were being whisked off the hotels and brought back to the start the next morning, which I was rather envious of at the time. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's totally doable. And actually, the guy who won the race that year, I think he was in that uh, room with me and he seemed to be on his own. Mm. And I, I talked to him a little bit. I was a bit out of it, but my memory of him wasn't was that, you know, he, he didn't seem like <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Like, I mean, he could have just been exhausted. He probably thought the same of me, but like, you know, not, not like someone who had, he wasn't like a chief executive kind of fancy guy. He was quite down to the uh, salt of the earth, mm-hmm. kind of there on his own, didn't really have fancy kit. Yeah, he won, he won the race that year, which was, uh, you know, so, so the opportunities are there, but, but still, I mean, I think just having that time and space, I mean, it, that was still three days out of my schedule to go off and be by myself do this run you know it, it is uh it isn't the option for everyone and and i think yeah it's not maybe not super accessible mm-hmm. in the way that it that shorter running is you know most people could go for a 5k quite easily ultra running takes time takes you've got to have a kind of reasonable bag I and mean, you've got a you know a rubbish bag that's going to cause you all sorts of problems yeah, you need to bring food with you. So yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely an element where it, it, yeah, it's it's there's it's not super accessible and not yeah, I guess I guess so. Mm. But, I mean, it's not quite. It's not like you know you're skiing or no, one of these other things. even cycling or something. Yeah, where, but um, but yeah, no, that's that's just sort of something that that nags away a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were things like you didn't you run like a long, long way just around your block during lockdown. Yeah, no, people could do that, I suppose. Yeah, no, I did. I um, because we obviously we weren't allowed to go very far, and it, when I was due, you know, to do my monthly run, and then I just suddenly thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll run around the block, and um, and do it for the local hospital. And and actually, it was it was a really enjoyable day. And what was great was I went, you know, I was going past my house every whatever i mean obviously it got a bit slower as the day went on it was only a five it was a 5k loop yeah. um so you know i came back for lunch and um, you know i could just grab some i didn't have to carry anything yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's nice well it's like there's a <clears throat> well I, I did the track race for 24 hours but there's that there's that race in new york the world's longest race the self-transcendence 3100 3100 miles around one city block in new york i don't know if you've seen the film i think it's called it might just be called Self Transcendence 3100 or something like that. But it all centers around the guy who's got the course record and has run it like four or five times and won it three or four times. He's a Norwegian. Is he Norwegian he's or something? From Finland, yeah. He's, and he's, 
like that. Yeah, well, he's not even a postman. He seems to deliver like be like a paper where he delivers leaflets. Oh. He gets up at like five and four in the morning or something and spends the whole day delivering leaflets because, yeah, he can get the time off because he's not really got a proper job. So he just he saves up all year and goes off and does this. He seems like a very happy guy. He lives very very frugally. His you know his bed is just like a sleeping bag on on a mattress and yeah. So I guess if you're desire is strong enough to get out there you'll find a way but uh, <laughs> and, and they made him run around this one block and i don't think he he has a crew or anything for that race I mean, most people turn up with like a support person i mean it's a big ask for someone you know it needs to be someone because it's like it takes 40 to 50 days <laughs> yeah so, so that's, i mean that's like you know what's that a month and a half or something or, or two yeah. months yeah. just running around a block um, yeah yeah no that's i mean that's got to be at the extreme end isn't it you tempted <laughs> no i don't think i'd be allowed to do that one it's hard it's hard though because it's um you know the 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 time i think once once you've i'm quite lucky and i suppose i've built the momentum now so each month i do one long so i don't have to do lots of long ones in between you kind of you reach a level and i'm not looking for you know, performance. So I don't have to work on anything in particular other than sort of maintain and then yeah. go off again. Um, but you're, you're always reluctant to, um, you know, to let that go. You sort of, you feel you've achieved this, this level of, um, I don't know what I call it, fitness of tolerance, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's quite, yeah, it's, it's quite special. I, you know, privately, I, you know, I, I, I like it. I enjoy having that. Yeah. And there's very few people you can you can chat to. I've got one mate who kind of got me into, and it was he who introduced me to your book, and 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 he did Race to the Stones, and I picked him up from there, and and then as I, I waited at the end and was enjoying the the vibe, I thought it was a really cool sort of vibe, and I thought I've got to I've got to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I've got to do it. And then I did it the next year, um, and um, it's it just totally it's just become really sort of absorbing and, and i think you have to be careful because you know i've got family and, and kids mm. and, and business and, and whatnot and um it's yeah you try and you have to you have to balance it all out and make keep keep the keep the priorities unfortunately i've got you know people keep me informed of what the priorities are <laughs> <laughs> yes of course well rightly so as well you know yeah. you've yeah, no, and this this guy in Finland was definitely a, a single guy on his own. So, you know, he he could take 40, 45 days out. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, he was just his own boss, no children or anything. So, yeah, yeah. no, like, exactly. We've got to put ourselves in the context of, of our lives. I often have that with the the Kenyan runners. You know, people want to know the secrets of the Kenyan runners. It's like, well, don't see your family for like, you know, most of your life. <laughs> go, go, go and live in a training camp there. You know, it's not it's not easy to emulate the uh, the kind of you know performance level if if that's what you're after. You've got to you know it's, it's what can I do in the context of yeah. my life. And I think I had that with uh, I spoke to Chrissy Wellington as well, and she's she was just interestingly getting into ultra running uh, as, as as lockdown hit, and she ran two ultra races and come second and first overall, uh, yeah. including the men. Actually, the the one time she came second was to Beth Pascal. So it was female first and second in that race. And then she won the other one. So she's clearly a good runner. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh and you know potentially an incredible runner but she's like no but like whereas when she was winning the Ironman world title she was that was her whole focus she's now got a child she's like you know I want to be as good as I can within the context of my life you know without I, I can't be like, as obsessive as I as I perhaps would like to be but I just it's not what it's not my priorities anymore and I guess from almost all of us, even even some way that some of the elite runners, you know, they still they have lives outside of running. It's it's very rare you get someone, you know. I mean, there's a few of them, and they are tend to be the the really good ones. Like Jim Walmsley is probably an example who just lives and breathes it. Doesn't have family. Uh, you know, Killian now has a family, but he he kind of. He's, his whole life up to now has been all, and, and Zach Miller was the same. His kind of lifestyle was built around his running, but people like Damien Hall, for example, he's got a family, he's got, you know, he's got to earn a living outside of running as well. So, yeah, it's, there's very few people who, who can be totally immersed in it. And, and so there's always a, a kind of balance to be had there. And, and that's probably healthy for your, you know, it's like, like I say with the Kenyans, it's, yeah, they run they're incredible runners, but you might not like if your child wanted to emulate the Kenyans, you might not be that happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just gonna eat and sleep all day and then run and not do anything else, you know, not read a book, not <laughs> just run. Yeah. Yeah. It's very one dimensional. I mean it works. They're almost like monks. It's like almost like becoming a, like a, a monk in a religious order. You just your life is given over. Yeah, you'd have to call them runks, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> runkers. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I'm... runks doesn't sound very nice. But yeah. yeah, no, runks. It's not. It doesn't sound complimentary, does it? Manners. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Oh, well, listen, it's been really good to chat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's your next one? Do you know? You planning next, that yeah your next run oh next run um so i'll probably do just some local short because i've moved to near brighton so i've got yeah. the south downs i've got the south downs way i can do i might i might leave that now until spring um and just do that like how far is that south downs way south downs way is 100 miles yeah, perfect so that that will be good. I, I was going to do it this year, but because um, I still haven't cracked a hundred a hundred miles, mm. I'd like to do it at least once. Um, yeah. I read somewhere yeah. someone who um, said something along the lines of they do they they hate the hundred miler. Oh, he's quite a well known runner. I can't remember who it was now. He does does one hundred miler a year. Hates doing it, but just sort of feels that you know it's something you have to do. Um, that, yeah, I mean, I. I... Uh, I quote a guy in my book, maybe that's the one you're remembering, Scott Dunlap, he's called. He says uh, he does 100, yeah, he hates it, but he does 100 mile a year just just for the journey, he says. <laughs> it was from your book. I've just remembered because sometimes when I run, I just, I just, I've got an audio as well, so I just stick on a chapter. It was that yeah. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just for the journey. I like that. Just just for the journey. Yeah. I, I, in my head, I'm like one long down. I think I'll do one ultra run a year just for the journey. Yeah. About 100 miles. I found 100 miles. I did it twice, and it, and it both both times absolutely killed me. There's a real, yeah. I, I even like, I did one like 120k, which is about 78 miles, and and, and that was fine. 
but once you get the two times I tried to go, and they were both in the mountains, so maybe that part of the problem. That's because you, you know, you got all the up and down as well. Exactly. It's, it's too far. It's too much. It just goes on and on. It you get to a point where it's it, the distance just it, it you starts playing tricks with you. You think I must be there now. I must be. I mean, surely I've been gone for days, <laughs> and then you've still got this massive chunk of distance still to go. So how can this be? How can it be? But uh, yeah, I should try a hundred miles on on a on a slightly easier course, maybe. But, uh, yeah, well, the South Downs way would be good because the, you know there is a, some there's some up and down, but yeah. um, but they're fairly short. As in the ups, you know, it's a, you know you climb you climb up a hill, yeah. and, then, and then it's down. It's not like it's you know five miles of climb or, or anything. Yeah. So, and the Cotswolds Way, you know, these all the the trails, the the national trails. So I've been, I've done a few of those. The North Downs Way, they've got, you know, there's some a fair amount of, of it's undulation really. It's probably the best. Yeah. So you've yeah. done something, and it's nice to change the step. I mean, I, you know, I've run along the Thames path quite a few times, and, and just the the flat where it's the same kind of dung 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 all the way along. That's, that takes another kind of patience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be on a trail, so you're kind of mixing it up a bit. You're putting your feet in different angles and different positions, and yeah, 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 just a, a flat trail, I can imagine. Well, I did the, the track race, I suppose, so. Yeah. Just have a sense of that. But. Yeah, that's a, bra- that's a brave one as well, you know, the seeing how far you can go in 24 hours. It's, it feels a bit like that, that, that game we used to play at school, where um, you'd, you'd be running around in a big circle and you had to catch, if you got caught by the person behind, you were out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there wasn't a definite end. It, it was, was like, a, yeah, there's a, pre- there's a sort of a, an uncomfortable pressure there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was never a fair yeah. game because often the, the same kids would always get caught first for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, oh, that's old school, old school PE. Yeah, they wouldn't allow that now. Allowed <laughs> now. <laughs> no competition. Yeah, we. Uh, no, the thing about the twenty-four hour race because people always say oh, it must have been boring, but it was. It, it wasn't boring at all. But the fact that you didn't have a physical finish line, so all the other races, it was that was keeping me going. If I keep moving and keep going, I'll get there. You know, it's it's there somewhere, and and this there's a certain amount of distance to be traversed. As long as I'm moving, I'm I'm going to get there. Yeah. with a 24-hour race you could you start it starts dawning on you about halfway through when you sit down for a rest and you think well i better get up now and then you go actually if i sit here for five more minutes the clock's still ticking you know so actually i could just sit here for five and then well, i could sit here for 10 minutes and and actually that's fine and, and then so then you start losing the desire to keep running because yeah. as long as you don't stop for four hours because if you stop for four hours but that's quite a long time <laughs> Four hours is the limit, then they disqualify you. But as long as you do at least one lap every four hours, it then becomes just, just up to you. Like you talked about choice. Now you've got this choice. I could just do one lap every four hours and I'm, I'm in the race. Of course, you'll be very low down on the leaderboard, which they put up rather publicly by the, uh, by the start <laughs> and finish line. Laps. <laughs> What's that guy doing? <laughs> no, he's not trying very hard. He sprinted but, around six times, and the rest of the time he was just sat there eating on a rug, just watching. Well, interesting. The guy who won the year I did it, he uh, he was taking loads of rests. But when he was running, he was running really quite like seriously running. When normally I think people just kind of 
jog very slowly, but just keep going. And he had quite a different approach where he would, like, he come bounding past you every now and then, like he was like on a 10K or something. And then he'd stop for 10 minutes, like all the time he kept stopping, but then going for it, going for it, going for it. That's which was, Wait, yeah, what? it was interesting. He did really well. He did like 165 miles or something. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was good. <laughs> Anyways, I, yeah, but uh, leave it there for now. Yeah, and, no, uh, absolutely. No, no, good to chat. Yeah, we'll talk again somewhere along the line. Soon, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I'll do, I'll uh, hold on, let me uh, I'll stop the. Uh...